Hey folks, peoples, welcome, yeah, welcome to Shanigans with Biscuits and Gravy. I am Biscuits. And I am Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. That's right, and um, <laughs> uh, this is one of Gravy's uh, pers- other personalities, uh, his normal one won't no. be here with us today. No, I was watching Friends earlier and that damn episode was on when Phoebe changed her name. <laughs> <laughs> So now it's in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sometimes ashamed that I watched that show. I'm sorry. It was a good show. I have season three or season one through three, the board game. Oh, yeah, that's right. The board game. I totally forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, I had that. Yeah, I did. I had that in Hawaii. Mm. I must not have been around when you brought it out. No, I, I brought that out on the uh, the estrogen nights when it was me and, you know, like Emily and everybody sitting around. Oh, yeah. Three, three in the morning and we're all watching Charmed. Oh, God, that was a horrible show. It was. But God. you couldn't stop watching it. No, because it, it, was, it was a soap opera, man. Yeah, yeah. It sucked well, you in. It, well, it was because the time we thought the women were, you know, hot at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they are good-looking ladies. Rose McGowan's a good-looking woman. Shannon Doherty. Oh, they're all three psychos now. Oh, I don't... Who was the other one? I don't remember. Yeah, Alyssa Milano felt, was one of them. Yes, she was, and I love her. But but she got weird, too. Yeah, she really weird. Eh, anyway. So, okay. Yes, so, what you got? Oh, today... Well, I had posted it on my Facebook... Like me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. But uh, you're on Twitter. A, no, it was a joke. Oh, okay. all right. I was gonna say I'm on Twitter. Everybody's on Twitter. Come on, tweet not, with me. I will not tweet with you. Twit, twit. Get on is the Twitter. Called, get, on the twit. get on the twit. Get on the twit and tweet. Get on the twit and tweet with me. Which woot? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there Which was a, a nurse back at the turn of the century, 1900s, who. Um, Shot and killed the man that abused her, who was her boss. His name was Sarah Coton. And uh, I posted on there, and I thought I'd kind of give a synopsis of her story. It's actually very interesting. Uh, and it almost gives credence to how things are going now, especially with media, the way media bias plays into things. Mm-hmm. And how quickly it can kind of turn public opinion. And I just thought it was a very apropos story. It was just Nurses Week. So this is a nurse killed her abuser. Hey, strong women like mm. that. Okay, media sucks. You know, it, it covered a lot of bases. Uh, and I really enjoyed looking this up, reading about it, and writing it. So I think it's going to be fun. I, that sounds interesting. I like to hear Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, man. Pretty I'm not cool. just saying that because this is your night podcast, but uh, I'm actually curious. I would like to hear well, this. You know, that's what I like about us, is we actually like to hear what the other person has to say. Even if it's something that we're not usually into, you're still like, okay, yeah, all right. I enjoy that about us. That's a good game. Kind of like collecting uh, belly belly button lint. That's gross, too. I mean, hey. And I have a massive belly button. I get a lot of lint. you got to have a hobby. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Get a different one, bro. (laughs) <laughs> what do you got today? Um, well, I have... Oh, wait. Beer or topic? Mm. We'll do... Uh, Either will work. 
Well, let's start with the topic. Um, I, I, I decided I want to go on talk about blues. Um, I, I, I want to go kind of, I, I picked from a whole bunch of different websites and, you know, try to get the best information I could and put it all into, you know, one little, one little thing. Um, and I hope I get everything chronological order. You know, I hope it's good because one, I'm a blues fan and I've been a blues fan for a long time and something I want to teach, you know, kind of show is how blues really how blues is so instrumental to like at least three quarters of the music that we listen to nowadays absolutely but uh that's my topic and um the birth of the blues i have beer what's the beer well i was drinking my uh my double ipa that uh um whatever that was um yeah, whatever. Um, that one, I, I, I finished that one. I'm on, a, I'm on my uh, other one. I've got a couple packs of both. Uh, this second one's uh, the uh, Elison Space Dust IPA. Um, huh. It is uh, doesn't say the IBU, which unfortunately I don't care to look it up. Alcohol is 8.2. It's got a nice little logo on the front. Nothing fancy. I just got me a yingling, man, yeah. and a big jug of water. I'm trying to be healthier, so. Your lingy ying? My yingling. My yingling. Your ding a ling a ling. My ding a ling a ling. Everybody. I want to play with my <laughs> dingling. Speaking of dinglings. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. So, so, this is something I, I uh, wanted to ask you about. And I read an article recently. Did you have an accident? No, no, no. Oh, did you say uh, that? No, listen. Okay, <laughs> but it was this uh, this young lady, and she is a track competitor. Uh huh. And she had a chance, evidently, to go to like regionals or state, something like that. Well, two uh, transgender uh, females they were they were born male. They transgendered into a uh, female. Uh, joined the track meet, and they came in first and second, and pushed her out of place where she would have qualified normally uh-huh. to go to state. And the, and this, she believes, cost her a scholarship and whatnot. And I, I, want, I want to get your take on this because mine is, is kind of – it's not what I would – I would have thought I would have decided after thinking about this for – for, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while because I remember the Fallon Fox controversy. I don't. Do you remember that in the uh, UFC? No. A guy, a guy who transitioned to be female and started fighting women, and one of the women he fought ended up with a fractured skull. He beat her, or she beat her so bad. I might have run across but, the story, but haven't read it. Yeah, but the thing was, uh, she hadn't told anybody she had transitioned. She just said she was female. Hmm. And then after it happened, she had to start getting fights that um, people agreed, okay, I will fight this person. Now, for me, whether you want to believe it or not, there are physiological differences between men and women. It just happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tend to gain muscle quicker. We have less adipose tissue. It, 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 it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. You can deny it. You cannot deny it. Whatever. But this seems so lopsided in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, a woman transitioning to a man's sport 
because it is sport and has to do with physicality, will not do better in, mo- in most circumstances. I, and I just don't understand why th- that is okay in, in the retrospect because it fits like what a, a f- the modern, I guess, feminist narrative, you know, of yes, we, we can be better. But then a guy comes into a female sport and just dominates just because of physicality. Mm-hmm. And it does knock down women. I mean, by I'm not saying people who are transgender are not biological women, but you're not. You're not biological women. But I think it does knock down biological women who are trying to succeed in athletic events, and I think it hinders them. And mm-hmm. I honestly think it's wrong. I think if we're going to attack this problem like it was the bathroom issue, I think... You're gonna have to set. You're honestly gonna have to separate to make yeah. people feel comfortable. That that's a tough conversation too. That's a very dude. It's hard. There, there's no right con- way to do this. I mean, controversial. It's all, yeah, it's all emotion here. A lot. Well, a lot of one side is emotion, but a fact is you have people who can dominate in a sport purely due to physicality. Mm-hmm. Like there was one, there was a, a guy who transitioned and it was a power lifter and broke like seven world records in one day. Damn. Now, how is that fair to the women who held those records before? Yeah. That's, Legitimately. That's... Do you, do you are, are we going to start this one? No, I'm just saying this, okay. is, this is just something I read and I, I just want to discuss like at, at a point, hmm. but it just worked me so bad. I've been thinking about it for so long and it's just... I don't see a way that this is okay in any aspect. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I I have, well, less nowadays, but I mean, I have friends that are transgender. And, you know, hey, you know, if that's what they do, I'm not going to judge them by it. I mean, it's their personality. However, I believe, I mean, and yes, you're correct. I also believe that on on a physical level, anatomical level that you know there are major differences between men and women and there when are. it comes to doing sports like that competitive sports and a man you know crossing over to the, the women's sports i completely disagree with that yeah i don't, I don't think that I, I really don't i think that needs to be a separate category i honestly do you could I honestly you honestly could do, do transgender you could have both male and female and transgender yeah now, this, granted, this there is was, the trans- they wouldn't but like they, it. No, but then they get mad. But you have to look at – because it's all about equality, right? That's what you want. That's what this whole thing is about, equality for everybody, accepting people for who they are. Okay, I accept you for who you are, but I am not going to let you step into the ring with you know, my niece or a family member or something like that and beat her to a pulp because – you emotionally identify as a female, but you have biceps the size of basketballs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, the I same, just, you know, and the thing is too, because I've been kind of, you know, several different instances where this has come up in sports. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the same people, and I've noticed something. A lot of the people that were for them being able to do that and for the whole transgender community and them being accepted into, you know, the, the culture and everything. And those same people are now like, wait a minute, you know, and they're changing their mind now. 
it's like, wait a minute, this is bullshit. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, like, I don't know how, because feminists are, are, are usually generally very pro-LGBT and all that. Yeah. Of course. But now you're you're going for the empowerment of women, but there are women who are being actually hindered by this. So now what side are you on now? Mm-hmm. Where are you standing? Because if you're truly for the empowerment of women, you wouldn't let a, a, a biological woman, and I will always say biological, go through this. Yeah. Because that should be your strongest point, right? Yeah. It's just – it's such a hard issue and I don't know how they're going to get around this, especially people who do it just for ulterior motives who may not even have a stake in it. Like, well, I don't care if I have to you know, get breast implants for my younger years in order to maintain this level of fame or earn money or do whatever to get this. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just kind of blows my mind in that way that it's not – it's always seen as a genuine thing and not ulterior. I think if one, like, I don't know how they're going to get around it either. However, I think they're going to pick the easiest way, whether it's right or wrong. They're going to, you know, we're going to pick the easiest way. That's normal, typically uh, what we do. And it sucks. It, but the easiest way is just to let it be how it is. And I don't think that's right. Yeah. Dude, I honestly don't. You know, I have a son. I don't have a daughter. But if I had a daughter, I would be pissed off as hell if she missed out on a scholarship because of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would genuinely be upset because I do believe that is an unfair advantage. Yeah. Just like the guy who transitioned and broke seven world records in powerlifting. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Yeah, that's insane. If all I have to do is say, yes, I identify as a female, that's ridiculous. I, uh, bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I am, because that, that just gives you an out to be... What's the word I want to use? Superior or act superior in an area that before you were just maybe mediocre. I only once said that I identify as a female, and that was because the men's bathroom had a long line and the women's didn't. That's rarity. (laughs) But then again, you you remember me back in the day. Well, you remember back in the day. Where I would just walk in the women's bathroom and use their shitter because it was cleaner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you bragging about that. Yeah, it's funny because like half the women there were like, oh, whatever, it's just biscuits. Well, that's when, uh, oh, God, yeah, that was Gabrunas. And their, their outside bathroom, yeah, that was always nice. And ours was always like somebody took a crap in the urinal and it was just, it was a wreck. Or a, or a pond of piss. Yeah, oh, yeah. So anyway. So, dude, I'm so excited to hear about this blues thing. I just wanted to bring that up. Okay. Not to jump off it. It's just something that's been on my mind, and maybe we can, like, get together and talk about soon. Like, you know, a topic for discussion in the future. Yeah. Um, now, blues thing, it was uh, just uh, maybe two days ago. I think Actually, I think it was Saturday evening. Um, everybody was in bed. I was up late, and I watched a little documentary. I think it was on Netflix. I don't remember, but it was on Robert Johnson. You know, the famous mm-hmm. uh, blues player that apparently sold his soul, you know, at the crossroads. And yes, um, it was very interesting because it actually went into a history that, you know, we later on, like more towards nowadays, learned about. And it was very interesting. Um, 
and I, me being a blues fan, you know, I, there's all different kinds of blues, and I just, I love blues. I have for a long time, and I said, you know what, I'll, uh, I wanted to bring this as my topic because it, it's, uh, um, can you hear me? This is a poor connection here. Oh no, I can hear you. Okay, so I wanted to, uh, um, I wanted to do write this up and, uh, you know kind of show how big blues goes into the music that we have nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's... Jeez. It, I think I had, what, a Miles Davis shirt and a Coltrane shirt when we lived in Gerberness? Shoot, I can never pay attention to what people wear. Oh, that's... I, that, used to be, that used to be on my running soundtrack. Half the time, because I, didn't, it, I didn't even know what I was wearing or if I was wearing certain items. You were rarely wearing pants, I can tell you that, but... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know anybody who really loves music that can't get behind at least like Davis, Coltrane, you know, stuff like that, that really was just musically inclined. Yeah. I'm not going to admit, and I, and I didn't mention a lot of like really famous blues guys that are currently or in the last maybe 30 years, um, maybe a few of them, but you know, I kind of, I mentioned some that are, you know, a lot, little older, but mm-hmm. um Basically, you know, you, you're going to have to put yourself back. You know, you're going to have to look back. Um, the blues, it, it first appeared, um, usually dated around the, uh, uh, after the Emancipation Act of 1863. Basically between 1870 and 1900. Um, now this period that coincides with the establishment of uh, juke joints as places where blacks went to listen to music, dance, and gamble after a hard day's work. Now, what's cool is, like, these jukebox. Now, there's only one left, and it's called the Blue... Where, where did my other one go? Oh, there it is. Uh, the Blue Front Cafe. It's the, um, it's the last juke... Uh, um, it's the last juke joint in the juke country joint. that's left. Um, it's on my wish list is to go there. I could probably spend days there just drinking and, and just chilling. With Where's it other. located at? Uh, somewhere in Mississippi, I believe. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, I, I have an article I printed out, but the type is so small that I decided to wait. And... Well, we'll look it up. Yeah. We'll look that up later. I'm gonna, I want to go into this a uh, little more yeah, into yeah, this blues yeah. here. Now, to see where this blues came from, I mean, you, you really got to look back in the deep south, of the United States, and uh, its its roots. It actually comes back African musical traditions, uh, African American work songs, shouts, chants, and rhymed ballads and spirituals. Now, uh, the this uh, work song, it's basically a piece of uh, music closely connected to a form of work. Either it's sung while uh, conducting a task, usually to coordinate things. Um, the field hollers were cries and hollers of mm-hmm. the slaves, and later sharecroppers working in cotton fields, because you know a lot of the slaves, you know, when they were free, they still did the same job. Um, also, prison chain uh, chain gangs, um, they did these field haulers, uh, railway gangs, and turpine camps. Um, now this field holler, it, it's mostly a type of a vocal music song to communicate usefully or to vent feelings. Uh, this was the 
precursor to the call and response of African-American spirituals and gospel music to the blues, jazz, and African-American music in general. Um, a shout or a ring shout was a uh, religious ritual practiced by the slaves which worshippers move in a circle while shuffling and stomping their feet and clapping their hands. Despite the name, shouting aloud is not an essential part of the ritual. Um, now, many songs, songs sung by the enslaved individuals have their origins in African song traditions and may have been sung to remind the Africans of home, while others were in, uh, instituted by the captors to raise morale, um, also to keep the uh, slaves working in rhythm. Mm. <clears throat> nice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm here all day. Um, You're welcome. Oh, okay. Now they um, they have also the, these uh, these also have been seen as a means of withstanding hardship and expressing anger and frustration through creativity or covert, covert verbal uh, opposition. Uh, work songs are also a form of rebellion and resistance. Now all these styles uh, have all borrowed from American rhythms and sounds brought over brought over from the Atlantic Ocean from slaves. Um, the African music in Sub-Sahara Africa was mostly an upbeat, uh, polyrhythmic, and joyful. Now, the blues is more of an aesthetic development resulting from conditions of slavery in the New World. So, what was their traditions they had that were upbeat, you know, in their own homeland country, and then being, you know, sold and whatever and brought out here was... It, they turn it more into a sorrow, you know, type of thing. Um, okay. Now, another thing is white American music also has strong African roots. The uh, music musical traditions of the Irish and Scottish settlers merged with African American musical elements to become like old time and bluegrass, among others. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, blues subgenres include uh, country blues, uh, delta blues. Piedmont blues, as well as urban blues styles such as Chicago and West Coast blues. Huh. Um, now, I didn't know there were that many times. Oh, there's there's even more. I mean, those are basically like the main ones. There's a lot more. My wow. fa my favorite is actually Delta blues, and that, that's around the Mississippi Delta area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which would be classified as like whom? Uh huh. What? artist has played like that style of music um robert johnson actually <laughs> that was his yeah, thing i got that, I got that. I'm, act I'm actually gonna go into that in a little bit later oh okay this. okay sorry 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 um now and this is funny because uh blues had quickly became because it this blues technically like i said came out after the uh, uh the emancipation proclamation of 1863 okay and blues, it was like I said, it was a combination of like I mentioned before, all these different, uh, uh, you know, cry, field hollers, work songs, shouts, rhyme ballads, and all that. So that's that's how with blues, it was pretty much like a combination of that, and that's where your blues came from, uh, right? 1870, right around that time. So uh, now it quickly became regarded as devil music. Now in here, here's, yes, devil music. Isn't that, you know, rock and roll was like the same thing, like way back when too. Yeah, it was. Well, um, in the 1800s, the word blue was uh, slang for drunk. Ah. 
Um, and after in the uh, in the late 1800s, a large sector uh, of the black community were fiercely religious at the time, and they criticized blues artists for subverting the gospel and sp spiritual tradition in the name of this secular and self-indulgent lifestyle of music. Um, attendance, it got to the point where attendance on church Sundays in the post-emancipation era of the black community was dwindling because the men, uh, it was mostly men, were in juke joints, speakeasies, and creep joints. Uh, creep joints, by the way, if anybody doesn't know, brothels. Um, others, they, they left the church to pursue a career in the blues and ended up going back at the end of their days. So, I mean, you got to think about it. You know, these churches, the majority of them are women in there. Whether husbands and brothers and sons or whatever, they're off drinking and playing music at these juke joints. Yeah. Um, now, another part of negativity perception was that, you know, with blues came drugs, sex, and alcohol. That, you know, it was infused in the lifestyles. You know, hence the juke joints, speakeasies, and grape joints. Um, well, it was also the only places that would allow that type of music to yes, be played. That pretty much you know, a, juke, a juke joint kind, was, it was where, uh, you know, it was accepted for an African-American. That's where they would go because majority of most white places they weren't allowed in. Exactly. Now, the stories and anecdotes that came from this whole underground community, you know, it, it, they also fueled the fire. Uh, let's, for example, the blues singer's son, House. He was convicted for murder, allegedly shooting and killing a man that was shooting up a juke joint alongside his female partner. Which, by the way, um, Robert Johnson, like I said, the crossroad man, he was actually, he would try and play there uh, with his guitar. And he was horrible at playing the guitar to the point where Son House would say, hey, you know what, go get a couple drinks. Or, hey, go do this. Or, go do this. What he was actually, you know decent at was playing the harmonica ah so and so it was the thing like he robert johnson you know he he really wanted to go up there but his this guitar skills were horrible yeah and uh which later you know that that put it to it later to where he kind of went off on his own he was gone for a year and a half before it came back Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, others, like I said, these stories and uh, anecdotes that came from the underground community fueled the fire. Um, the legend, legendary lead or lead Bella once escaped prison, murdered a family member, and stabbed a white man during a knife fight. Uh, Robert, Robert Johnson's life also <coughs> was shrouded in mystery. With his claim to fame, besides his amazing music, being a supposed deal with the devil he made in Mississippi... Uh, Lucille Bogan was among the first uh, singer-songwriters to be courted. She also uh, recorded under the pseudonym Bessie Jackson. Um, and she was one of the big three of the blues, along with May Ra uh, Rainey and Bessie Smith. These three women were like really big when it comes to females in the blues community. Um, yeah. Now, the blues had had civil legends already by the early 20th century. Um, to name a few, you got Charlie Patton, Henry Sloan, Willie Brown, Fiddlin' Joe Martin, Son House, Tommy jo uh, Johnson, Robert Johnson, Chester Burnett, also known as Howlin' Wolf, and Isaiah Zimmerman, also known as Ike. 
Um, Isaiah Zimmerman. That's a cool name. Yeah, or Ike. I really like that name. There was another thing, too, is uh, Ike would, um, Isaiah or Ike, he would go to cemeteries to practice. You know, late at night, he would go to the cemetery and he would practice his guitar. And many a time, um, him and Robert Johnson would go up there and play together. And they would sit on the two graves where they, the two graves where they would sit and play together is actually, uh, there's a fence around it now. I don't, I uh, forgot to put down the name of that uh, cemetery, but um, I thought that was kind of cool. And his, his, uh, Ike's explanation was that, uh, you know, it's like, hey, nobody's going to bother you or bitch about you playing how bad you do, you know, once you're out here. And yeah, they, they played a lot. The together. dead don't care. Yeah, the dead don't care. Um, now, between the period between 1920 and 1933, you know, America had their prohibition. Mm-hmm. You know, which every, every, you know, most people think the prohibition. You know, you have the you know the speakeasies, you have the moonshine, you know, r- moonshine running and everything. Um, and the thing was, these the the blues uh, they found a lucrative niche, rubbing shoulders with the. The seediest sides of the country uh, during this pro- prohibition while making money providing entertainment in illegal joints. So pretty much these blues guys are like, oh, hey, okay. Now, it's illegal to do this, but we go to these places, you know, shady, you know, with all the mobs and everything or whatever. You know, we can make money, but on you know, the downside, if we get caught, mm-hmm. we're arrested. So, but they did, um, they saw, you know, a lot of them saw a, a chance to make money that way. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> the uh, there was also a transition from country blues to urban blues that began in the 1920s. This was driven by the successive wave of economic crisis and booms, which led to many rural blacks moving to urban areas in a movement known as the Great Migration. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this had to do with the fact that you know one the hard times, you know economically and the fact that prohibition because any place you'll play the blues beforehand there was always drinking involved of course so you had those that moved to the urban area and obviously they dabble a little bit into the you know the illegal you know clubs and bars at the time speakeasies um, whatnot yeah but it's great migration there was two of them and this one was uh, started in the 19 it was in the 20s and 30s um there was another. There was a long one following World War II. This one introduced a introduced another massive migration of American or African American population. It was called the Second Great Migration. Um, Clever name. Yeah. <laughs> and right up there, World War Two. <laughs> this was accompanied by a significant increase of real income. Of the urban blacks that constituted a new market for the music industry. Um, now, at the time, the term uh, they, uh, for the music was uh, um, when they would record the music, everything. And when you went to go, you know, when somebody went to go look for music, you either you had your typical music, or you had a section that was called the race records. And it was a term that was used for um, for African American music. And uh, which later was replaced by the term rhythm and blues. Jesus. And rhythm and blues was pretty much anything that was African American, whether it be blues, jazz, whatever. Yeah. So um, now th- this uh, 
This rapidly evolving market was mirrored by Billboard magazine's rhythm and blues charts. Um, this marketing strategy, they reinforced trends in urban blues music, such as the, the use of electric instruments and amplification. This new style of electric blues, uh, blues became popular in cities such as Chicago, Memphis, Detroit, and St. Louis. Um, now, now, electrical uh, blues was, uh, it, it used electric guitars, uh, double bass, um, drums, and a harmonica played through a microphone and a PA system or an overdriven guitar or uh, amplifier. Uh, Chicago became a center for electric blues around, uh, or starting around 1948 till, till now. Um, now, this was uh, when Muddy Waters recorded his first success, I Can't Be Satisfied. Mm. Uh, Chicago blues is influenced to a large extent by the Delta blues because many performers had migrated from Mississippi region. Uh, such people as Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, Willie Dixon, and Jimmy Reed. They were all born in Mississippi and moved to Chicago area during the Great Migration. Huh. Uh, their style is characterized by the use of electric guitar, sometimes a slide guitar, harmonica, and a rhythm section of bass and drums. Now, in the 1950s, blues had a huge influence on mainstream American popular music. Um, these musicians, such as Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry, they were both influenced by the Chicago blues. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> now, while northern cities like Chicago and Detroit during the later 40s and early 50s began scoring national hits, uh, T-Bone Walker in Houston and B.B. King in Memphis were pioneering a style of guitar playing the combined jazz technique with blues. Basically, B.B. Uh, King invented a concept of a lead guitar, now standard mm -hmm. in today's rock bands. Um, in the late 1950s, a new blues style emerged in Chicago's West Side, uh, pioneered by Magic Sam, Buddy Guy, and Otis Rush. This Chicago West Side sound had a strong rhythmic support from a rhythm guitar, bass guitar, and drums. Um, this was perfected by Guy, Freddie King, Magic Slim, and Luther Allison by amplified electric lead guitars. Um, another uh, blues artist, John Lee Hooker, uh, he had oh man, he had influences not directly related to the Chicago style. Um, his his blues is based on his deep, rough voice accompanied by a single electric guitar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That dude still, he's got some. But dang, 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 dang. <laughs> um, now, swamp blues was a uh, genre developed by, or it was developed near Baton Rouge with uh, performers such as Lightning Slim, Slim Harpo, Sam Myers, and Jerry McCain. Uh, swamp blues, it has like a little slower pace and simpler use of harmonica than the Chicago blues style performers such as Little Water or Muddy Waters. Now, in the early 60s, the urban bluesmen popular by young white Americans, or the urban bluesmen became popular by the, by the uh, young white Americans and European musicians. Uh, many of these blues-based bands created a blues-rock fusion. Uh, now, such bands of these were Rolling Stones, The Animals, The Yardbirds, Cream, Canned Heat, Fleetwood Mac, The Jay Giles Band, and The Doors. Though it's just Basically, a, you could say anyone popular in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the 60s, Anyone. 70s, yeah. 60s, 70s, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, that that's like a who's who. 
Yeah, and they got their influence from the from the blues, and yeah. they they're the ones that really got the the blues brought brought to the white you know the white audience. They have a large influence of of bringing you know the white people to the blues. You know, listen to everything. There was also another thing was uh, um, when people were getting rid of the the seventy eights and doing like the bigger records or whatever. Um, yeah. A lot of whites during the 60s, I think 50s and 60s, they were wanting to start collecting some of the older 78s. And, yeah. you know, that was also created an emergence of the blues into the white community. Um, now, the whole thing with, like I said, the, these bands, these rock bands that brought the blues to the young white people, um, it was something that black blues artists had been unable to do in America except through the uh, purloined white crossover covers of black rhythm and blues songs i mean so basically they couldn't get the white people's attention unless they combined their stuff with some of the white people's stuff you know kind of like you know kind of like you have right rum dmc and aerosmith you have two completely genres and you know rum dmc became big because of that you know what i mean no aerosmith got back to big again because of run dmc mm. that's opposite man you know, it, 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 it because of Aerosmith. Aerosmith made a comeback with Run DMC. And the white community, though, you know, that they, as far as like the rap stuff, the white community, that's when they really start paying attention to, you they, know, the they black They did, side. like, this This can work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this, it also... It's also a legitimate brought, style of music that we need to accept. Yeah, and they also, you know, were like, they came back to Aerosmith again. So it went both ways. It helped both out. Um, let's see, where was I? Um, Sorry. yeah, since the 60s, rock, uh, it's undergone uh, several blues revivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these rock guitarists, uh, such as Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, were used, uh, they, they have used blues as a foundation uh, of their, of their, you know, a style of music. Um... Well, the originators like John Lee Hooker, Albert Collins, and B.B. King, and their heirs, Buddy Guy, Otis Rush, and later Eric Clampton, and the late Roy Buchanan, among others, continued to make fantastic music in the blues tradition. Um, now, from the late 2000s to the present day, blues rock has gained a cultural following, um, such as the, the latest generation of blues players include the likes of Robert Cray, Gary Clay Jr., John Mayer, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and the late Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh man! So I mean, the guy I bought my Mustang from had a pug named Stevie Ray. Oh, but uh, oh, I just dropped this. Hang on. Okay. But yeah, was you, it your was it your third testicle you dropped? That that was my my uh my only one. <laughs> 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 oh man, that was good. That was really, really good. <laughs> so I mean, blues has a. I mean, if you look at the history of blues, I mean, yeah, it came out of a horrible, horrible, you know, situation. It was how it started out of a horrible situation, and it just it grew. It it struggled to grow. And then when it did, it's just, it blossomed and it created, we would not have rock and roll if it was not for the blues. It's it's the dandelion in the sidewalk of music, yeah. honestly. Like it, it wasn't supposed to be there, 
was never supposed to do that, but there it was. And it, it the impact of it is huge. You know, it, it brought up the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. You know, it cracked everything. It, it, it's an amazing style of music. One person that I'm surprised you didn't mention, but I I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people know about him. Is Johnny Lang. Yeah, Johnny he's Lang. A, he's, he's a guitarist, and I absolutely love that dude yeah he, he's another that would be like in today's generation mm-hmm. um absolutely absolutely um another one would be uh, oh shit what's his name what's his name from the Patrick Swayze movie Roadhouse uh mm, the, the blind, blind guy plays yeah his fly guitar. yes oh why am I uh, having a blank on that dude you're killing me if I wasn't on my sixth beer, I'd know this. I know. I same here. I, I'm. I'm trying to. Oh, Jeff Healy. Jeff Healy. That's right. Jeff Healy, because it was the Jeff Healy band. <laughs> well, there was Jeff Healy and the Jeff Healy band. There was two. Yeah. He did. He did kind of both, but. Well, in that was it was the Jeff Healy band. Well, and yeah. I remember that now. But he. Good job. Good he's job. phenomenal. Oh, and absolutely. And the dude's blind. You know, and he's among this current. You know, when I say this current generation, I'm talking like, you know, eighties, uh, nineties, two thousands. So I mean, well, it's, it's that's our generation. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, that's what we recognize. Jeff Healy is probably one of my favorite guitarists, blues guitarists in in current times. You know, my dad introduced me to Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I will always thank him for that. Hmm. Because that that guy was it's just a madman on a guitar. Yeah, he is. He's good. I mean, and there's there's so many of them too in nowadays that I didn't you know I didn't put down. But you know, I, I spent so much time trying to get all this information into one thing. I didn't. I, I couldn't put everything. You can't. Down. You can't get it all together. Yeah. I mean, that that'd be a seven hour podcast on the history of blues. And I mean, so so you see how these these different traditions. You know, mm-hmm. from slavery, brought about blues, and then the the blues one how it got its bad name, how it started, you know, and just its progression, and it just, I mean, it it, it I mean, it birthed modern too. modern rock music. It 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 really put forth that kind of attitude of the rebellion and the you know like you said even the musical side of it the lead guitar the heavy one you know and you know with the backup uh, bass guitar and it, it set up the standard of what rock should be yeah i think my favorite type of blues um of like the old 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 days would be delta the delta blues from mississippi and chicago blues those are my two favorites. And, of course, the majority of Chicago blues was from the Delta blues. Because the yep. migration from Mississippi up there. Favorite blues song? Oh. Let's see here. Oh, God. I, you know. I'll tell you mine. The, the Shotgun Blues. The Shotgun Blues? Shotgun Blues. See, see, see if, uh, see if I can get it here. I don't know if it's going to play. Let me try it. 
Can you hear it? Oh, yeah. Now, is that Kenny Wayne Shepard right there? No, that's John Lee Hooker. Oh, okay. I mean, he's been around. I mean, you wouldn't think about it, but the dude's been around for a long time. And he's been a big part of this whole blues, you know, oh, growing. Oh, yeah, God. I think a massive influence he, on every good modern guitarist would probably be John Lee Hooker. Yeah. And uh, I just, that song was... It, he also does one, uh, one bourbon scotch, one or one bourbon, yeah. one scotch, one beer, one scotch, one beer. And there's a re, he did a like a remastered one of it, and there's a video, and it's just, it's just, it, I, I sad to say, I mean, it's a little bit different than his original, but it's actually a little better. I think I like, I like. I, don't get me wrong, I, I love the original. But I think I I love the the remastered you know the little the newer version a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, the video of it I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to uh, give you the video of that a little bit later. Yeah, shoot that to me. But uh, it's just Absolutely. blues is such a phenomenal genre of music that has it such is. an integral part of you know the music we listen to now. Well, it's it's that spider web that helps connect everything, you know. Yeah. And it's the it's in the center, you know, probably not the center, but it's part of the center of that spider web, mm-hmm. you know, because farther out the end you got different types of rock and roll, hip hop, blues, rap, country, metal, you know, metal. You've got uh, um, bluegrass. I mean, you have all that stuff. It's just on the outer edge of the web, and blues is, you know, it's there in the center. I tell you. Um a, a movie that has a great soundtrack. Don't watch the movie. The movie is just awful, okay. which is Black Snake Moan with Samuel L. Jackson in it. But that soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal with blues music. Mm. I'm t- Dude, check out the soundtrack. Do not watch the movie. It's not worth it. Justin Timberlake, Christina Ricci, Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, that... Hold on, hold on. Let me... I'm getting in here to get my little notepad. Is that the one where all the memes of him and the crazy hair and the wife beater? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Black Black Snake Moan. That soundtrack is fantastic. Alright. I have actually never... I, I've meant to watch it. I never did. Oh, yeah. Don't watch the movie. Listen to the soundtrack. Is that bad? Yeah. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, please do. <laughs> I, that's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just... Blues is phenomenal. I, I can't say it enough. It's just... You know, take the time, folks. If you've never heard blues, yeah. or you just only listen to a couple blues songs, just go on to YouTube. I mean, you ain't got to go buy this shit. Go on to YouTube and just, uh, you know, just blues. Just do Type it for blues. five... Do it for five minutes while you're vacuuming, while you're cleaning the bathroom... Just put it on. Or that and two, I, two and a half hours that you're on the shitter? You know, for you, yeah. For other oh, people, okay. no. <laughs> we don't have sphincter control issues like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is... It, I think it's a very underrated 
genre of music nowadays. Yeah. Because it used to be played everywhere I went when I was a kid. Because, you know, I, I was late 70s. My dad, my mom, I think in that time were very progressive people. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that's part of the music I grew up with. You know, so it, I don't know. It holds such a big spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. Really does. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I shoot. I grew. I grew up with so much. I actually found blues on myself. Um, I I grew wow. up with like the old country from like the sixties and seventies and eighties, yeah. and then also the rock and roll from the the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Mm-hmm. And you know, around the time that I started listening to hair, the eighties hair bands, was around the time that I you know I stumbled across blues. Wow. I don't remember how or who it was I listened to, but but yeah. See, I remember sitting with my dad and we were watching uh, the Blues Brothers actually on TV, and he cranked it up when John Lee Hooker came on, mm. and that's when I knew I was like, this is important. <laughs> Dad doesn't turn up the TV like this, and it was just that one part when he's sitting, you know, right in the street on the chair playing his guitar with the one amp right there. And I was like, "Damn, this means something." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, good topic, good one. That yeah. was a good one, bro. I, I enjoyed it. I, like I mean, that. it was. I learned that, stuff. I you know, I like the fact that I got to learn stuff just by picking this topic. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Listen, folks. I mean, we we pick whatever topic we want here. It just we really don't care if we find something interesting, and we we like to talk about it. Uh, you know, Gravy and I, and Gravy and I like to learn. It just we're we're those yeah. type of people. We love to learn new shit. We can never learn enough. No, and ever, that's just ever. Blues being such a cool thing and just spending, you know, a few hours each day for the last couple of days, you know, just learn shit. I didn't know. And I thought I knew a lot about blues, but apparently not. That that was stuff I didn't know, man. Yeah. There, there used to be, a, um, you know, an offshoot of the blues, which is jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be a jazz bar, like right across the street from... Moose McGillicuddy's. Well, not right across the street, but it was like across the street and down, like going towards the beach. Yes, yes. In the upstairs, like it was a bamboo lounge. It was like a piano bar. Mm-hmm. Is that still there? I I, I don't know. I, oh, there's man. so much that has changed since I came back to Hawaii. It is, it's, I don't even go out to the drinking anymore. Maybe once in a while. Um, the one place that I do go to is the Brew Museum. Hmm. And you, it wasn't here when you when you were here last, or I was here last. I I don't remember it. And it's it's uh I I don't you might have seen pictures of me and the jeep with the different hats on and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's the place. And they have the ceiling. Oh. They have all kinds of stuff like airplanes. They have like moving ones, trains that are moving, all kinds of shit. It's insane. Oh, that's cool. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I miss that jazz bar because I used to go up there, and I remember there was never anybody up there. Hmm. They had these like wicker couches. It reminded me of the uh, the daiquiri bar that me and Mongo used to go to <laughs> down at the mall, where they had that big Hawaiian guy who sang like Barry White. <laughs> and oh my god, it was uh, like I'd go up there, and that dude would, would just 
flood me with old fashions. Mm-hmm. And I'd constantly tip the piano player, and God, what a beautiful time. I loved it. Yeah. Great place. If it's still there, thank goodness. It, it was a true gem to Hawaii. Oh! oh. My oh. dad asked me to ask you about this. Okay. Evidently, there's a, a, a 35-year-old lady missing from one of the islands. And she's been missing for like five, six days. And he didn't know if you were involved in the search or not and wanted me to ask you. Yeah, that's on Maui. Oh, it's on Maui. Okay, okay. Um, I'm actually very good friends with uh, Maui Search and Rescue. I'm uh, I'm Uh an an honorary member of theirs. Uh, (laughs) I've trained with them several times through my whole uh, um, search and rescue tracker and crime scene track investigator. Um, Now, I um, I didn't go there, although two of the... A Wahoo Search and Rescue members did go for a couple days um, to help out. Um, I didn't do this with OSAR and I didn't do this with GSI because I've been, for last month, I've been working on this uh, Team Rubicon operation I'm planning for. So I've just been too busy to do it. But otherwise, if it wasn't for that, I would, I'd be there right now. But yeah, there's... there's um, uh, I'm not going to say any more on that. Yeah. Well, my dad was just curious. He wanted to know if you were involved in it in any way. I said, well, I don't know. I said, he goes, I don't know what island it's on. Yeah. Maui. I said, well, he's on, he's on Oahu. I said, so if it's probably not Osar, he's probably not doing it. I said, but I'll ask him. <laughs> well, when, when it comes to Osar, if they ever need a tracker or need help, you know, they, they'll ask me. Um, and when it comes to Maui, Molokai actually falls under Maui's jurisdiction. Because um, it was a few months ago, there was a guy, a brand, it was, they were on their honeymoon, uh, newlyweds. They were on their honeymoon. The guy wanted to take his wife up to, uh, on his uh, hiking trail he thought might be too difficult for her. So he mm-hmm. decided to go on his own to check it out to make sure it'd be safe enough for her. But there, he had an accident. He fell. Whatever was killed. Holy shit! And they were going to. Uh, I was get. I had my stuff ready to go to uh, catch a flight and everything. And that's when you know he was his body was found. So I didn't go to that. But I mean, it, it's. Um, I, I'm good with friends with him, and. Uh, but I, I've been following it so. There's, yeah. there's really uh, I just want to yeah. yeah there's really much that I can't talk about it but it's uh, I mean even then I don't even have all the details the law enforcement has right so but yeah it's a shame no. it's sad I mean it is it's it's, it's uh, very well if I start going to this topic it's going to take forever no, I don't, let's, I don't let's, not, do let's not go, let's yeah, not go there let, let's, let's get something else here Okay, so uh, what I am bringing to the table tonight, besides a devilish smile and a fantastic sense of humor, is the story of Miss Sarah. (laughs) 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 I I, I, I spit a little beer (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. You're welcome. Okay, so it's the story of Miss Sarah Coton. Now, uh, Nurses Week was last week. Happy uh, belated Nurses Week to all my nurses. Yes, happy belated uh, Nurses Week to all my nurses, too. Well, uh, the nurses. But, nurses. Uh, I love you, nurses. It, as you should. We choose the uh, catheter size. But <laughs> uh, this 
This was a young lady who shot and killed a doctor who was her boss that abused her at work. Now, uh, Miss Coton was an immigrant from Russia. And this is way back when. Let's reach back to hallowed antiquity here to like 1907. <laughs> okay. And uh, this young lady comes to the U.S., gets set up in a sanitarium, and starts training to become a nurse. And her boss, whose name was Dr. Martin Ospitz. Ospitz. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let, let me try to pronounce this because you know I'm a hard at heart. Go ahead, go ahead. Ospitz. Ospitz, exactly. Ospitz. But, but for the sake okay. of brevity and ease, we're going to call him Dr. Douche. Dr. Douche. You know yes. what? That, that's perfect. I think so. So Dr. Douche decided that Miss Sarah was attractive enough that he should rape her at work. <sighs> yep. And she went to people for help. That did not help her, so she took up the mantle of justice herself and decided to kill the man. Now, um, Sarah was working at a sanitarium in New York at the time. This was She came in 1907. This was 1908. And uh, she was actually very scared working there. But the doctor convinced her to stay on, told her, don't worry, you're going to be a nurse. And she even said, he seemed to want me to stay more than I did. Hmm. Uh, one night, the doctor broke into her room and chloroformed her. Now, while unconscious, he raped her. And the end result of that was a pregnancy. Uh-huh. So this atrocity ended in this poor young child being pregnant. And the doctor tried to persuade her to get an abortion, which she refused, and she ended up quitting her job. Now, she attempted to take him to court, charging him with rape and for financial support of the yet unborn child. Uh, The doctor denied all the claims and even got his brother and brother-in-law involved to slander the girl, saying that she was of low character, that she actually initiated the romantic relationship with the doctor. And the case ended up being dismissed by the judge due to lack of evidence that it was the doctor's baby and she did not pursue this relationship. So Sarah ended up going to the police to see if they could help. They denied her help. And she even went to the district attorney of New York who said to her that there were no legal recourses due to the doctor raping her. So, uh, well, due to her, this what, is, this, this is the, the era before the whole women's uh, rights thing. Oh, yes. yes. This is before the suffragettes and everything. Mm-hmm. This is way before that. Um, uh, due to her being an unwed mother, she was deemed feeble-minded, which, because she had quit her job at the sanitarium, it made it very hard for her to find work. And even children back then of unwed mothers were considered of low intelligence due to the mothers being unwed. Mm. Uh, With no help coming from the quote-unquote justice system that this country had in place at this time, she decided to deliver justice herself. Now, she lured the doctor to a home under the false pretenses that there was a patient there that needed his help. While uh, she waited 
and waited, supposedly for several hours. He finally showed up, and she shot him through the heart. Good girl. Yes, man. Yeah, I liked it, man. I like it. Uh, Fourteen days later, she was in jail for murder. Uh, When interviewed, while she was waiting for her trial, she stated, When I thought of my broken life and the lives he might break, I felt it was my duty to kill him. And and the press had a field day with this shit, right? So it became the shoes media sensation, and the press actually sided with the doctor. I mean, they called this woman hysterical, a frenzied girl... Uh, wretched, all the shit in the papers. Like, she was hor- uh, the pariah. Yeah. Uh, let's call her the Anna Nicole of 1908. And they also said she was a vicious killer and unsympathetic because of her previous statements of she felt it was her duty to kill this man. Uh, so, uh, she ended up giving birth in prison. And this was in October of 1908, and she named her son Abraham. Hey, there you go. That's for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but after the birth, the press became very sympathetic of her. Now, here was a woman who was raped, convicted of murder, gave birth in prison, and suddenly the, the press is playing very up to her sympathy. Uh, they were discussing the great affection and love she had for her child. And uh, it finally came out, finally came out somehow, that the doctor was trying to pressure her into having an abortion. And this even, like, bolstered support with the public for her refusal to give in to such a barbaric thing, the papers said. So everything finally went to trial, and the judge accepted her plea of insanity and gave her a suspended sentence. Hmm. They even this is this is so cool. When I read this, I was like, "It." Oh, oh, anyway, I'll bring it up. Uh, they even brought in a phrenologist. Do you know what a phrenologist is? I I know you do. I think you do. It. Go ahead. It's somebody who feels the bumps on your head to decide your future and personality. Oh, that's and, me. A phrenologist. Yeah. And and they decided, they tested her skull against the skull of a former uh, serial killer and said there were no similarities. She was a very passionate, compassionate person. And this helped lead to her innocence, which I thought was awesome. You know, I got my phrenologist degree in uh, Thailand, right? No shit. That's fantastic. Do you Not remember really. that movie? <laughs> Do you remember that movie with uh, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen where they paid uh, they played Trash Men? Yes, yes, great movie. I can't remember the name of it. Saved my life. Uh, right men now. at work. Yeah, men at work. And uh, they actually have a question they ask in there when they're playing Trivial Pursuit against each other about uh, what's a phrenologist. <laughs> and when I was reading this article, I thought of it. And I was like, that's fantastic. <laughs> but um. The narrative of all of it became a matter of honor. Mm-hmm. That she was defending herself when no one else would. And there was an unwritten law, evidently, in the 19th century that protected men who were defending a woman's honor. And that if they were retaliating in defense of a woman's honor, they were not upheld to the standard of the law. Mm. And this kind of became 
a trend for women at this time in the early 20th century. That they could protect themselves with violence because they were unable in, you know, in essence to protect themselves. Yeah. Uh, it, evidently, this, re- this led to a rash of other killings, like a woman killed her ex-boyfriend for leaving him. <laughs> uh, like th- this led to a bunch of crap and they all cited this cotton case as a, as a, as their defense. They still do that now. Well, yeah. yes, they do. And, and, and almost a lot rightly so I, I will say, but, uh, after the trial, she ended up changing her name and her son's name and no one really ever heard from her again. But, uh, what also came out in the trial was that the doctor had at least two other victims. One of them was another nurse that never filed charges and another one was a patient of his that he molested that ended up trying to kill him but the cartridge misfired and this happened just a few months before he molested Sarah oh wow yeah so I thought this was a very interesting thing something you don't hear about a lot yeah and uh, I don't think I've never heard of that to be honest it's yeah uh, it, it was absolutely amazing to me that this, this woman, but you know, a lot of it, it, it played off a lot of the media stuff. Like originally, she was the villain, mm-hmm. and then she became the the deity, the loving mother, you know, doting person. We can't keep her in prison. We can't send her to death. Yeah, I mean, and the the media persuades what the conviction is going to be nowadays. Anyway, absolutely, absolutely, and you can't say that. I mean, I. I don't know if she's guilty or not. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what happened. You know, no one does probably. But she played the media like a fiddle. Hmm. What was that weird noise just happened? Me moving in my chair? No, there was something else. I'm trying Like a ball that was rolling down something? Or a knife cutting right through something? Dude, you need to get your ears checked. Okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You need to get your ears checked. Hey, I already know that I've got tinnitus and a uh, hearing loss. Unless so, my hey. testicle is finally descending, <laughs> and you have very good hearing. <laughs> <sighs> That's scary. Hello? Hello? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Being able to hear my testicle descending? Yes, it's frightening me. Oh. <laughs> oh, I need a beer. Say something witty for about 10 seconds. Something witty for about 10 seconds. Okay. So, this is a conversation that myself and my father had. We were sitting there. Uh, eat. What's that? Oh, I was telling. I was going to tell them a story about a uh, discussion me and my father had. So we were sitting in my kitchen. My dad was having tea. I was having coffee, and uh, we were discussing kind of life and you know everything like that. And I don't know how it came up, but he's like, you know, I got to tell you, Garrett. I think the other sperm knew something I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I just have a feeling they were in there being like, go, Gary, go, go, go. <laughs> He's like, and I was just swimming as hard as I could, and they were they were all just looking at you like, no, nah, man, just hang back, just hang back. It's fucking horrible out there. 
<laughs> I'm gonna start crying because that's me. And, and then we went and picked up my son. <laughs> <laughs> that's so horrible. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. That shouldn't be laughing at that. I, it was very funny. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> I like your dad. He's funny. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Mine's dead. I know. Yeah. Wait to bring that right down. All right. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay, folks. I don't cry anymore. Yes, you do. I just wet my bed. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? <laughs> Dude, that's the second time I've I've, I've, no, I've had beer come on my nose. Come on. <laughs> it burns. So you laughed at your own joke and shot beer out your nose? I am not fucking sympathetic. Hey. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> what time is it? How much time we got left? My chair squeaks a lot. You hear that? No? No? No. You don't hear that. No. Oh, I hear it now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was kind of forcing it that time. Never force it. Use ne loot. Of course. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the second you said that, I just happened to look and I see this bottle of hemp uh, aroma body Tahitian vanilla and ginger body massage more or body moisturizer are you telling me you want a shoulder massage because it's not happening no 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 <laughs> i'm just kidding i'll rub you down uh, no no newer massage okay you're, you're well, styling don't, you don't know that, what that is do you oh no but i'll stay away from your buttocks no yeah no no newer massage is uh it's uh, a little more than R-rated. Well, a little more than R-rated is X-rated, so let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, shit. Mm. Okay. That was pretty good. I, You know, that, that actually fascinated me, the nurse thing. It, it was a very interesting story, and, uh, you know, I had never heard I've been a nurse for damn, you know, decade now. Because I don't, I, I, I never hear about like nurse stories at all. So I mean, it's it's something that, you know on a, a totally different topic that you know typically well, you don't hear unless you are a nurse or it's it's like doctor stories. You don't hear a lot of the horror stories doctors tell. Yeah, you know because they just don't. Well, it's like it's like police officers, firefighters. They're not going to talk about their worst times. There is something that I do like, and that's the that TV show Monsters Inside Me. Yeah. I love that show. Dude, that's a great show. That's a good one to fall asleep to it also. Nah. See, I still stick with Forensic Files okay, well, yeah. and or the old um, Twilight Zones to fall asleep. You know, I haven't I haven't watched this in a while, the old ones. But no, my, my usual fall asleep is Forensic Files or uh, um, the, the Unsolved Mysteries of Robert Stack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that voice just puts you out. Oh, he does. He's, he's so great. It's so soothing. You just want to, I mean, yeah. you just want to like hug him and just hold him and not move while he talks to you and just be like, That's it. Yeah. thank you. 
you're wrapped up in that lovely baritone. <laughs> you're just like, mm, so cozy here. Mm. Talk to me, Robert Stack. And then they found her body on a sunny day in May. And you're like, yeah, motherfucker. Snooze. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, 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 <laughs> oh, uh. oh, oh, <laughs> Go to your room. Go to your room. <laughs> oh. Hi, dogs. See that didn't. <laughs> That weren't logging in before I have fart slime. Hey, keep keep in mind that there's the shenanigan tricking game. You might kill a few people. Oh, God, yeah, I better stop that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've, uh, the wife and I, we've got a whole bunch of plants and stuff we've been planting. Nice. Um, I'm learning the whole propagating thing. When you have a plant and you take a piece off, you grow a separate one. And uh, I have, I don't know what it is, but it's purple and green, and uh, it's cool colored. Like, you either, the leaves either green with purple veins, or it's purple with green veins. And it's it's a weird plant. I just thought it looked cool. There's no actual, you know, value as far as edibleness, just prettiness. But um, I, I've got a few, you know, edibles. I'm growing strawberries. I'm growing, I don't forget which kind of strawberry. I am growing uh, cherry tomatoes, and I'm growing Japanese cucumbers. Nice. I have uh, two plants of uh, citronella that are growing really big. And I propagated uh, one of the stems off, so I'm trying to get that to grow for a third one. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a couple of these bamboo things that, uh, I don't know what they're called. It's not real bamboo. Mm-hmm. At least not the Japanese traditional bamboo. It's something a little different. Um, really cheap, and I think I left my one one downstairs. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been trying different things. Uh, the, the, I took an old beat-up chest that was just... You know, it was rotting and just holes and kind of torn a lot of places. Just old, beat-up wooden chest. So I put it on like a little shelf and with the lid open, and I just threw a whole bunch of dirt in it, drilled some holes in the bottom, and that's where I have my uh, Japanese cucumbers growing and my cherry tomatoes, at least for now. I do have a couple of those things you hang upside down. I just haven't got the, the vegetables and fruits to put in it yet. Nice, nice. So trying, I'm to, a, trying to do that. I'm doing my potato buckets next week. I need. I would need to buy buckets to do that. But yeah. Right now, I'm try, right now I'm trying to get steady what we have because between me, between the wife and I, I think we've got about uh, probably fifty or sixty plants total. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe a third of it is edible. So we got a lot of succulents, and like her succulents at first, she was having problems left and right. And I only have one succulent that I bought, and it was this uh, little bull thing, and it's just, it's going wild. It's just all kinds of, I got it in the great place. I'm watering it just perfect. 
Nice. My little prize to say, I'm doing better than you. Um, of course, when she listens to this, I'm going to get yelled at, I'm sure. Why? Um, just how it... Don't ask why. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. Dumb question. Exactly. We're both married. Exactly. We're both wrong. 100% of the time, every time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm happily married. <laughs> <laughs> I I realize that, and I'm just done. <laughs> but I, I think it's pretty cool. We we've managed to uh, when we the other week I, I think Misha on a podcast we I arranged a lot of the the upper living room or whatever you want to call it, and it's actually worked good for the, a lot of the plants we have. So we have quite a bit inside and outside, and I'm doing um, I'm gonna the next thing I'm gonna do is. I'm gonna get some rope, and I'm gonna like have uh, like wooden planks. The wood's gonna go through on the ends of wooden planks. So you're gonna have like maybe two or three wooden planks with rope down, and I'll drill holes in it so that like the pot will sit in it, but it won't go all the way through. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was looking for studs, or I was looking for the you know like in a ceiling like a place where I can get like the actual wood, whatever. And my little stud, my stud. Thing, whatever you want to call it, it sucked. It's horrible. So I decided to go with the old traditional method of magnets. Hmm. Um, I took a little stick and put a nail nail on the end, and I put one of the magnets. Now here, by the way, folks, if you want a strong magnet, you usually have the two colors. You have the silver-looking one, and then you have that like dark, you know, kind of dark grayish, light black-looking one. The, yep. the silver one is is always stronger. Or typically is stronger. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so what I did was I put it on the end of it and I lifted it up, and I just I would find a spot where it hit and I let the little magnet I would leave it there on the ceiling. So like right now I have what one two three four five six seven eight nine magnets on my ceiling. They're still Damn. there. They're just they're just stuck in there. <laughs> But basically, I've got it lined up so I know where like the wood boards are. So when I hang it up, that it's actually going to stay and not rip the uh, rip the ceiling down. Because you know those uh, those uh, different types of uh, uh, rock sheet or, or whatever sheet uh, rock. Yeah, the the different little screws with the little wings that come out. Yeah, they don't always work, especially with weight. Um. So it's, I've had some fall through and I'm just like, you know, stick with the wood and the magnet thing works. It works pretty good because put it, put it this way. Let's say in a wall, you've got a magnet and you're a few inches from a wall. Um, you want to go either one way or the other. And like, if you have a magnet and it's about, let's say six inches from a wall. And, Mm -hmm. um, if it's like that close or something, you're going to go a direction away from the wall. And just slowly take that magnet, and when then when it touches, you leave that magnet there. Grab another magnet, and you're gonna you're gonna see where that is. And then when you start heading to like one direction or another from it, you're gonna find wherever that is, and you're gonna measure that distance. So from there, you can actually get the others a lot quicker. It's, it's mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I'm describing it right, folks, but uh, it, it's it's like an old way to do it, and it works. Because those electric stud finders, not all of them work. I don't feel like spending two hundred bucks or one hundred and thirty bucks on a 
fancy one because I'm poor. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Because <laughs> I'm poor. <laughs> well, hey, I am. I'm, I, I'm not rich. I'm not made of money. Me either. We make ends meet and uh, sometimes have enough for a little bit extra. It's always nice. You know, but regardless, the kids get spoiled. That's the one thing. The kids get spoiled, then the wife gets spoiled, and then I gotta have a few beers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful system. <laughs> but yeah, I, I got magnets on the ceiling, so if like someone came here and be like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, don't worry about it. That's what the studs are. <laughs> That in the walls, Don't too. worry. I got this. I got this. Don't worry. <laughs> Dude, I want to get solar panels on the house in a bad way. In Hawaii, it's actually very common to see houses out here, but you kind of need to. It's so expensive. Well, yeah, it is. But there's there's some kind of initiative I read about going on in North Carolina where the state will put it on mm-hmm. for free. Yeah, so if I, on the mainland, definitely get that shit. It don't matter if you if you wear, live somewhere like in Montana where winters are crazy, you still get them because it works. Think about it: winter, snow, your blind snow blindness, you slot of bright, you're gonna work. Oh, whatever, I don't know. I'm I'm drinking. Well, and that's what they have capacitors too, man. It's not always about you mm-hmm. know how much you have coming in. It stores power. It's mm-hmm. how it works. It's. You know, <laughs> and it's a smart thing to have, and um, you know, learn about how either have someone professionally install it, and then you know have them show you like the in and outs of how it works. So if you actually need, there's like no power or something you actually need to tap into it. You know how. Yeah. So hang on, let me plug in my phone here. It's gonna be loud. Oh, okay. Are you there? Yep. All right. I, I, I plugged in my phone. I accidentally hit the button on my microphone. Hello. Gravy. I'm here. Gravy. It was really uncomfortable silence. Maybe for you, I was fine. I was waiting for you to talk. So you hit the button on your microphone. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. I totally forgot what I was talking. I about. was completely comfortable. I was just sitting here. <laughs> I was like, what? when's he going to say something? But yeah, um, it's a smart thing, you know, start small, start what's in your budget. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really need to do an episode about, like, being prepared for, you know, like, storms or whatever, so you can, I, I, want, I mean, I, I can go over stuff that I know from experience and stuff I've seen, but... I would like to get someone that has well, more in more knowledgeable on that. I would love to get you, someone on a podcast about that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, however, the government's view on it, which we did like however many episodes ago was, is not the ideal way. No. Yeah. That absolutely was, not. That was a funny episode. That was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And but, not, not a good advice to follow. <laughs> for, for crisis, I'm just stocking up on Texas Pete so I can eat my neighbors. Like, really, that's that's my that's my stockpile right there. <laughs> I got two cases of Texas Pete and a whole neighborhood of people. I'm good. 
<laughs> so, and I got my water filtration system. I got my meats. I got my water. I'm set. <laughs> beans and rice, man. Get a whole bunch of five-gallon yes. buckets filled yep. with beans and rice. Yeah, we have talked about that. I could do an episode on some good stuff. I just have to learn. I, I would really like to get someone on this. Um, we'll have to. I'll have to talk to a couple people that I know are busy. But um, maybe we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see what we can do. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh. Check your check check your britches. I'm fine. I didn't get any taller. <laughs> what the? Fuck? <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, that's them. Oh. Well, okay. Um. Well, folks, you know what? Hey, let's. Uh, we got to end this. We're at yes. that time. So. Uh, Typically, as as we always. Oh, by the way, I hope all you women mothers had a happy Mother's Day yesterday. Absolutely, what um, a great day! But this week, do something nice for somebody. Be a decent person. Be humble, and don't be a douchebag. Don't be a douchebag, brother. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye bye, nipples. Uh.